welcome to the Underpowered Podcast, a gaming podcast where we battle our backlog, revealing what is worth your time, money, and energy. This is episode number 55. I'm Shelby Stokes, and on the cast today, my partner in crime, Casey Cool. 55. And our colleague, Sean Spool Pool. That's me. Colleague sounds so like professional, and I don't feel like that's me. I also I mean more like a <laughs> I don't know. Acquaintance sounds professional too. Uh, guru? Acquaintance is like your neighbor uh, that you don't hang out with. Like, yeah, he's my acquaintance. That's like your... someone you you know of, but you don't spend time with. It Baron. also is the word you use when you don't admit that person is your friend. Like, oh yeah, that's my acquaintance. <laughs> a racist right. guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's an acquaintance of mine. I'll take any, all of the above. Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, I'm not going to go to battle for him, but I kind of know him. Like, uh, <laughs> all right, we've yeah. crossed paths. My wife and and his girlfriend are friends. That's that's about it. Yeah, no. yeah, he's just an acquaintance. Exactly. I mean, we, you know, he's the godfather of my child, but it's not like a big deal. <laughs> but we got really excited when the kid was born, and things have changed. But you know, it's not going to do it. All <laughs> right, we're blood yeah. brothers, but you know, <laughs> that could always that bond could always get broken. Dude, how do you become an ex godfather? Oh. I want to know how that works. Share your story. Send us an email. Under- <laughs> yeah. 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 Right? Or just come in our Discord, drop in the questions and stories. We'd love to read it. Speaking of stories, Sean, you got some stories for us. We haven't talked in a while. I know you're excited about a new video game. What video game are you excited about in the next two days to be played? As of this, I think when this comes out, it will be out. But I'm looking forward to the Stellaris Nemesis DLC that's coming out. Uh... So Stellaris, for anyone that doesn't know, is another one of those silly grand strategy games that I play that are made by Paradox like Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis but it's a space one and they have a new big DLC coming out and it should be really fun it's supposed to be like adds a bunch of new like kind of like gameplay types and things like that it's it's too much to explain but yeah space and domination it's too much to explain on a video game or podcast where you explain video games (laughs) I actually don't know a lot of stuff that's coming to it. You got me. Got you caught me. And you got me. So wait, what are you hoping for in it? Uh, well, the name is cool. <laughs> so that... that Well, Nemesis is my favorite Star Trek movie. That's where they fight the Borg, right? In the big cube. And I think that's what it's kind of... Here, I'll look it up while you, one of am, you guys talk about your am I, am I right? Games. Am I right about that, though? Is that the Star Trek movie? Well, we can talk yes, about Star Trek. There is a Star Trek movie. Nemesis. The Borg was a pretty interesting character, right? I mean, they had some good episodes. They're a race, I believe, right? It's a group of people. So in the movie, spoiler alert for a 20-plus-year-old movie, uh, Captain John Luke Picard becomes a Borg, I believe, in Nemesis. Oh, yeah. Uh John, help me if I'm... Yeah? I think so. I'm pretty sure. He does, like, in the show, but then I think they make a movie out of it. Too. Yeah, I was gonna say it's definitely in the show because I tried to go back and watch the Next Generation, and there was like a what it, they they used to tie like the season finales and the first episode of the next oh. season together, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and it was one of those. Yeah, gaps. he had a name. His Borg person had like a separate name. I forget what it was called though. But it, like he because he wasn't Jean Luc Picard anymore. He was Borg. He was John Luc Borcard. <laughs> there you yeah. go. All right, so I found I found so Nemesis. That was our shooting for the star trek podcast join us next time <laughs> uh, go ahead, so nemesis lets you become the bad guy basically you can become the crisis so in the basic in the vanilla game um there are these crises that pop up randomly throughout the thing where like suddenly this old ancient evil whether it's borg like a borg similar thing or whatever uh shows up so in this you get to become that and you try and wipe out the basically all the other like creatures by you know do i'm guessing you can be a couple of different kinds whether it's like becoming the borg because you can in the vanilla game you could become you could make a race that's like the borg but this i'm guessing you start off really strong and you basically take on everyone else and just try and like wipe them out um elon musk warned me about you (laughs) or you could be on the flip side it looks like and you can be like a good guy that's there to try and help protect you're like a custodian, it calls you a galactic custodian to protect all like the lesser, like the, the lesser races. Uh, they yeah. add espionage, so you can do cool. spying and all that kind of fun stuff and infiltration and new ships. 
Very exciting. So is this like Civ in space? Is that kind of what this is? It is sort of. It's a grand strategy. So there's like way more to it than that. It's like just more grand. <laughs> it's like you're focused on... It's more grand. <laughs> right? <laughs> Would you say it's grandiose? Yes, it's grand... grand it's got gravitas and grand grand grandiosity. Gravitas. Ooh, was that a space pod? <laughs> I don't know. Like it works. I guess so. <laughs> it's got gravity. Um, but yes. So it's more of a spreadsheet simulator than Civ is. Um, like you just get tons of you have your resources, you know, that you collect so that you can build new ships and new things, and you want to colonize other planets, and each planet like kind of has things that are good for it and depending on like what kind of like culture you're playing as you have different kind of ways of winning or going about it so like you could become like i think one of the first races i ever made or played was like a they were like space penguins that were just trying to enslave other races so they could sell them on the black market (laughs) or you could make a borg one where you're basically like uh they're your robots that don't like reproduce or anything but you can like um like when you encounter other races, you can like beat them down and then incorporate them and make them like cyborg versions of themselves. Or you can just become like a robot population that just wipes out other ones and builds more and more robots. Oh, you mean the future? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, or you can like, you can even be just basic humans and try and create like a big federation to fight off like bad guys like that, you know? So you can go like diplomacy or they added in one of the DLC, like a, um, uh, they call it corporations, I think. But basically, there's different aspects of that. There's like straight up corporations where you're just trying to make money and then you can like buy all this stuff that gives you power. Or you can become like an underground kind of like mafia and you like build like secret criminal syndicates on different planets and things. But yeah, it's all about managing your space and growing and like just being badass in, in different nice. ways. So like you can be a pacifist and just be super defensive and not attack people and then you just like basically make as many friends as you can because one of the ways you can win is by like forming a federation you know just like in star trek you know the galactic federation or is that what it's called galactic federation whatever the yeah the I think federation like, i star trek nerds are like i'm deleting this podcast <laughs> all right, right <laughs> whatever the federation that earth is a part of and like jean luc picard and stuff they all fly around for that you can make one of those and if you get big enough like if you own like 80 percent of the known galaxy or whatever then you win that is correct. It is the Galactic Federation. Yeah. Nice. United Federation of Planets, Starfleet Command. It was also on there. Um, but you got the right. That sounds cool, man. Are you? Do you have any idea what you're going to play or how you're going to play first? I think I'm definitely going to be a crisis first, but I don't, I'll have to see what options there are. You and your life crises, man. Okay. That's your <laughs> call. Um, I've done a regular like Borg f- playthrough, so I don't know what this is going to add on top of that so but. would you say this is your midlife crisis oh uh, okay. all right sorry so <laughs> you also played a some couch co-op this past weekend yeah we play do we do co-op oh we did we played diablo 3 on casey's switch right. oh whoa yeah because casey was so visiting. I, throwback yeah i got that because it was on sale last week for 30 bucks and i had some friends that we love we play my friends in california we play ultimate strike for, uh ultimate Alliance? Alliance 3, the Marvel game, which is a good game too on Switch. I've talked about it, but it's an ARPG. So we're trying to find something. We tried Divinity 2 and it did not work for our group. <laughs> uh, and it's not great on the Switch. And uh, what we ended up looking for, my friend was like, I really wanted Diablo 2. I'm going to get Diablo 3. It's 30 bucks. Like, okay, I'll get it. And I love it. It's fun. It's really <laughs> like we have our buddy Doug who streams Diablo 2 and he's really pumped for remastered. And I've been trying to figure out. Why would you play the rem- like two when three is much like more streamlined, but there's more nuances to two. Oh yeah, it's for the sale price though for thirty bucks. They should keep that that on the Switch because they would sell buku copies. Like it, it's really fun. We started four random characters, so Sean and our two other friends didn't get to keep theirs. They could have if they chose one of our accounts. I think they could have done that actually. Mm-hmm. Not think about it, but we were just leveling characters for fun from scratch. So I started a wizard, and his name is Chaz. <laughs> that was his default name, wasn't it? Like, that's the auto Yeah, we did default names. Chaz, um, our, our barbarian friend, or Doug, got the best barbarian name, Fjordvik or whatever it was. That was... Oh, yeah. We were all yeah. like, oh, yeah. I don't know what mine was. Fjordvik. I was playing a crusader. What was your name? 
which I hadn't played. I haven't played Diablo three since they like right when they got rid of the auction house, like the player auction house, which I think was like a year after it originally came out. Yeah, that got some pretty bad publicity, didn't it? The auction house. Yeah, people are gambling on it, basically, right? Like, yeah, because it was a real, yeah. real money auction house, so people would sell items for real money, and money Blizzard, yes, Blizzard, absolutely. Blizzard would take a ten percent cut or whatever from each thing. So they were like, "Yeah, this is great. Yeah, we'll help you cover your crimes up in Diablo 3. Yeah, and so that was just like really bad taste. And I didn't enjoy that at all. And then when they got rid of it, I went back and played a bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is better. Still not my cup of tea, but better. Did anybody go with the witch doctor? Because wasn't that an ad later? Uh, that is a character. That was one of the stars. The necromancer was an ad. Yeah, the necro was the uh. ad. And we did have someone play necro. Witch doctors are cool. My mm-hmm. friend Matt plays witch doctor. And he's like, I'm just going to send my frogs in. And the frogs explode. Like, he thinks that's rad. When I first it- played, that's what I played was a witch doctor. And all I did was spam bears. There were these bears that would come up out of the ground <laughs> and, like, stampede, basically. And that's all you would do is you would just hold down cast and the bears would just murder everything. <laughs> he's spamming yeah. bears. He's spamming bears. Look out. <laughs> yeah. There's bears everywhere. Yep. I'm really, I really enjoy that. It's one of those games where you could play it in 10 minute chunk. Like, okay, let me just kill some mobs with my character that i'm leveling and you feel like and you can put it on the harder modes for more experience and you're like yeah and you level up super fast i always put it on the harder modes okay sure Ooh. i like how i bumped I into my mic stand in order dramatic to- effect. <laughs> everybody in the audio will think you're cool but we'll know better we'll know yeah yeah so it's it was a great couch co-op like it was really fun to do we had an error where this is what ruined it for us. We probably would have kept playing. Oh, right. But someone that I saw was online invited me to their game and it froze out my game. Oh, no. Yeah, well, because what happened is... So my character was oh, fine. Okay. Yeah, so it, it, so it <laughs> popped up while we were playing. Like, blah, 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 wants to invite you. We didn't even get a chance to read it. But because we were spamming the A button to, like, attack and stuff, it just, like, auto, like, declined or whatever oh, no. on it. And it kicked or us... Accepted. Or accepted or whatever, and it just kicked us out of the game. So... The three of us that weren't logged into an account, our characters vanished. And but Casey stayed because he had a, an account that he was logged in on. Yeah. How did they not bump yeah, into that during cool. playtesting? Like, oh, if I'm here <laughs> right. slamming this A button, what will happen right. if? We were doing good. We were going through like the cathedral or something. We were making progress. Um, it, the other rule was yeah. we would go me first. That was the other fun thing. Like, who gets to put their gear on first? Like, me first! Like, that was what we'd yell to press pause. Me first! Because it didn't split screen, so whenever someone wanted to, like, equip new skills or, like, gear and stuff, everyone had to pause, or it paused everyone, and like, you had to do it one at a time, and so yeah, it was... But I, I kind of like that, because it's kind of old school, we- and you kind of have bs with each other and be like oh yeah casey and i like anytime we were picking up like a new piece of armor we're like pausing the game to like <laughs> equip it or whatever and our other friends are like stop it we'll do it when we get to like this blah point. blah blah check checkpoint or whatever we'll do it <laughs> i think we still did it a couple times but yeah I, it was kind of a silly like just problem with couch co-op you know versus playing on your it own. was fun though um, the other thing we did, we played some Mario Kart, Mario Kart 8, still great. And Smash Brothers. And Smash, we always play Smash. But Mario Kart 8, I want to do a 48 uh, race. 48, like, you can do 48 races in a row for your cup. <laughs> oh, wow. I want us to do that. I think that would be fun. Is that just every map? That's got to be every map in the game, I think so. right? Right? Because there's six, 12. <laughs> I wonder how long it would take yeah. you, like, going the fastest. Yeah, 12 times on, 4 like, is 48. CC. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would probably take three to four hours. At least. That's crazy. <laughs> I think. Maybe. No, nah, I would actually like to do it. Because how long does the course <laughs> on average take? Well, it I depends guess. what CC you do it at, too, right? How long to beat Mario Kart for you? We, no, we need to do this for science. We need to do this. <laughs> I feel like we get four races in and be like, wow, this is going to take some time, boys. Oh, you definitely have some daddy sodas while you play, for sure. Uh, maybe have a food break, have someone do a halftime report, treat it like Formula One. I think you turn it into a drinking game, like every time you lose. Uh, you want someone, someone to go to the hospital with alcohol poisoning? Like, that would be... I mean, that's something I haven't experienced yet, so yeah, kind okay. of. I mean, I guess Shelby's in. So- so this person says on 200 cc it took them about to an beat hour. All 48 courses? Apparently. Uh at 90 90 seconds to 120 seconds a race. Uh load time. Oh, so this person did math. So if you factor that it takes 90 to 120 seconds to finish a race on 150 cc's <laughs> 
and maybe another 20 seconds of load time, you end up at roughly an hour and 40 I'm minutes. I'm going BS on that one. But that I think that's just the raw numbers versus like, huh. you know, having player in Yeah, it, it feels like it'd be longer. Maybe it would just feel longer. <laughs> right, right. People hitting pause. <laughs> right. You'd like close your eyes later at night and it would be like, boop, 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 Yeah, boop, hopefully if I turned like at least a race 40, <laughs> right. I'd finally figure out the boost button on eight that would be my goal um the other thing i've been playing still working on is monster hunter i need to get with the group this weekend with the boys in discord because it helps when you do group hunts just to gather gear and materials i'm at a point in the story where i wasn't fainting you can faint once or twice in a or two to three times depending on a hunt which is dying essentially Uh, right like you get down which is yeah it's like losing your hp and you get down I, it happened today. I did one. I fainted one time. And what sucks about fainting is you lose money off of your hunt. Uh, um, the other thing I've been talking about is there's this thing called rampages where you have to defend the village and you set up turrets. And it sounds kind of cool, but it kind of sucks. Like it's Is it like tower defense kind of? Like, is that the idea? Kinda, but you you fight the monsters. You're shooting them with like a, a ballista. Uh, you can summon the, the chief. You can go and manually fight them. I call upon the chief. Bring in the chief. Yes. Dude, he's got two katanas. <laughs> he's, he's ready to go. Is it the master chief? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TM. It's really weird. They paid Bungie a lot to get him in. The... <laughs> thing about it is i'd like to do that with a group to see that experience um i'm just taking it slow with that game because it's enjoyable and you can play it in chunks like i like to do i did a hunt today took me like 20 minutes good got some cool stuff make some cool new gear trying to still figure out which weapons i like i really like the long sword um i used a bow i felt like katniss everdeen i was just pew, pew. Oh. and it took that fight Ooh. i felt like the fight took longer but i felt like i was doing more i feel like if in a group not i feel like in a group, I would probably use the bow because you can coat the bows with poison, depending, or paralyzing or sleep powder, and you can just sit and snipe, and oh. I would like to do that. Uh, it's a great game. That's what I played when I was playing World. I was playing the... Uh, the, the longer bow. you hold... Yeah. You, I play yeah. Insect Glaze. Insect Glaze cool, but you have to do this weird like bug management game. You have to find bugs, which you think the Pokemon yeah, the bugs are weird. be like, oh, interesting. I'm like no, because some of the stuff just blends in in that game. Like today, I fan- randomly found a camp. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. Because then it's a, it's a, it's a warp point within the map, so you have to find the camps within the map. So if you want to quick travel to it, you can do that at any time. So I found one in the desert one today. Right. Uh, the monsters keep getting cooler and cooler, or weirder and weirder. Today I fought some giant rock monster that shoots <laughs> mud at you, and you can't can't see, see me. Is it like John Cena? No, the if monster? you hit him in the face. Well, because I, I had a sword. He has like a giant rock head. If you try to hit him sword in the head, it just bounces off. And you're like, okay, so you had to attack his legs. I'm I'm waiting for like a, a list on weak points or something <laughs> where I can just learn how to. The uh, game someone facts. on Discord posted a video. Yeah, just the game facts. Yeah, is that th- that blows me away? There wouldn't be a Wikipedia already created for it. It's still pretty new. The internet is pretty quick, though. I yeah, mean, come on. <laughs> they are I'm, sure, I'm sure that there's things, they, there's some lists where you can go and read it and you can say, oh, hitting the leg, like the leg has this much HP. Gotcha. This has I'm this sure much. there's YouTube videos, you know, of some kids being like, how to beat blah, 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 boss. And it's like a five minute, sure. 10 minute video of just them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's play. I, I need to maybe search the monster specifically. Uh, there's there's a lot to still learn in that game. So that's a game I'll be playing throughout the year. Like, I, I'm really enjoying it. It kind of covers the. Will it be your game of the year? You can ride the dog. I can always go back to that. Uh, so Shelby, what are you? I'm a sucker for a dog. Oh, Shelby, what are you playing? Speaking of games that you can, you will probably continue to play. I have shifted our multiplayer Monday hangout sessions that I do with a couple of guys, and we played Outriders this week. Oh, nice! That's actually the new hot. Yeah, it's on Game Pass now. It is on Game Pass. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely, it definitely feels like Gears of War to some extent. And I never really got into Gears of War and the cover system's a little weird, like sliding in and getting behind uh, cover, stuff of that nature. But, is that uh, in Outriders? Is the, is the cover system in Outriders? It's there for sure, yeah. I mean, you can basically go in and hide behind things and then when it's time to vault over, you hit B. So it's just wrapping my head around that movement a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it the movement in the game is really good. I'm playing a character that has the ability to teleport across the map and it's a really cool ability to like see somebody up in a guard tower and then zip over to them, slice them from behind and then start unloading on them. It's really, really good. 
So this yeah. is made by Square Enix, correct? That is correct. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's a it's a multiplayer. It's a it's a third person RPG. Shooter, that is right? correct. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's skill trees that are pretty extensive. Ooh. And there are four different character classes as of right now, and they seem to accent each other well. Like my guy being able to zip across the map is pretty nice because I can get in and go hard on enemies, but then I have to come out because I take too much damage. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy I was playing with had the ability to kind of stand, be, stay behind cover and lob fireballs at people. So I could run in. You're playing with Dr. Z. Yeah, Dr. Z, yeah. And um, it was a really, really good time. I enjoyed it. We hit a difficulty spike at one point where we just kept going up against a boss. And about the fifth time through, we beat him. And it was just one of those moments where like, yes, I did it. Yeah. And then it drops the cool gear and you put the shinies on. It's a beautiful experience. Yeah, it's how the trailers made it look really cool. And I heard someone recently tell me that it was kind of like Gears of War combined with um, the Division games mm -hmm. combined with uh, like Mass Effect or whatever sprinkled Ooh, in there. Those are some good names to be talking about with your game. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like the the better parts of those games, like I, one thing that kind of turned me off of Gears of War was it was slow back in the earlier yeah. games. I, I can't speak mm -hmm. to the most recent one, but it just felt very labored. You know, your movement was very heavy. Same. It felt like, so I just never really got into it, but this has the cover system. You're able to move around quickly, which is nice. Um, the gear definitely feels like uh, the division two. And I thought that was one of the better mm -hmm. parts of Division 2 was the gear yeah. drop. The the inventory management system is really nice as well. You're able to go in and clean out useless inventory pretty quickly. Um, I can see this as a game that I continue to play. I want to be playing this game right now. Let's be real. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's, that's good. Cool. Singing, uh, you know, review. Mm hmm. See, I was I was trying to trick you into going back to Spellbreak because that's five to five. So we could maybe do that too. You on know your what? Program. I played quite a bit of Apex for the last couple of months, and oh, I think yeah, this is different. Well, you won't feel bad. You, it won't make you feel bad. No, like but like does. Apex is like a battle royale, but good. You know what I mean? Spellbreak is good. <laughs> you won a Spellbreak. You haven't won an Apex, so how about yes, that? I have won an Apex. Uh, Come on, I am the champion. Okay. Well, I didn't see a screenshot, so I didn't. Well, I mean, it. I didn't do it recently. I did it launch week. Uh -huh. But hey, yeah. Oh, okay. The first time I won Apex, or my team won Apex with me, I crashed like as the winning thing came up, and it didn't count. Oh, my oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Rough. when it first came out, the game when it was like so yeah, fairly new. It. It was like ah. <laughs> the best part about Apex is when you reload the next game. It's like these are your champions, and then it throws your banner up in front of everybody before you go to the next. <laughs> round and i had like one kill and i was like level three and i'm like this is your champion and it's like oh don't, don't over promise come on now. Like, i'm smurfing yeah. guys i'm smurfing right now <laughs> for sure so i'm enjoying it is that cross console i believe it is yeah i know they were having some issues with <clears throat> the consoles and pc i believe Talking to i don't know where that landed i think that was a news story that came out earlier this week um, but I believe they intend to have it completely cross-play is, is their goal. They're just having some technical issues. It just recently launched, though, so give them a little time and they'll be good to go. And there was an inventory wipe problem or something Ooh, like that. Boy. But they put a fix. Yeah, in... Outriders restores cross-play on all platforms. Game Radar reports that. Yeah, yep. yeah that's a, I had heard that it's kind of buggy mm -hmm. or it's been buggy for people, and that's like the only negative thing I've heard. I didn't hear the extent of those bugs, but if it's something like your inventory didn't wipe, that... That's an ouch. Yeah, that could be a problem. Is there a guild system or? Um, I'm still pretty early. I'm only a couple of hours in. I played the, the, through the tutorial pre Monday just so I could get through those first stages so it would open up for the multiplayer sesh. Okay. So I'm probably about two hours in, yeah. still pretty early, like I said. Um, they have this really cool challenge. It's called a world tier system. And as you level up, you basically are able to slide the difficulty higher. So your world tier dictates the difficulty of the game and also provides better loot if you choose a higher difficulty gotcha. setting. And then every time you get to a new world tier, you have a reward drop as well. So it kind of incentivizes you to push you to that next difficulty. Nice. That's right. Yeah. Well, That's I'm glad it's not buggy. I'm going to tell you something that's been bugging me. Oh. And I was talking to Shelby oh. about it, and it's not related to news. So Shelby and I, I gave him a phone call because we both have real life jobs. And this is not like, okay, is this, this is the last your full-time job? I know. I wish. 
No, I actually love my full-time job. I mean, I wish it could be if we could live yeah. for free. If, I mean, we could just plant some trees and live off the land, I guess. Sure. But... And have free internet and computers. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds absolutely. socialist. But yes. <laughs> wow. So my, I am changing positions next year in my building. So I have a lot on my plate. Shelby's had a lot on his plate. And we're talking about the backlog challenge and the writing. And why we like the writing and why we still want to do it. We're going to move down our reviews to five. And Shelby and I want to go mm-hmm. back to what we were doing after like the backlog challenge status last year. I like it when we beat a game. We can do a TDLR if it's an older new game. But I like choosing each other's games. I still think we need to do a couple on those. But like I'm going to be honest, I have no interest in playing Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. I played it on Wii U. I don't want to play it again. It was good. Oh, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> Wait. It's because you're scared of not being able to use Funky Kong, aren't you? you were there was no that Funky game Kong deal. on the Wii U version, sir. <laughs> He's so offended. How dare you? You know, him. You know that so, would get me. So cutting it down to five from what? You guys are at ten? We're still going to play our games, but we just want to write mm-hmm. five written reviews. And then our other five, we'll do oh, five other true. TDLRs. We're gonna, the TDLRs are going to be something that will be on our social media. It's, right, Shelby, if you want to help me out. TLDR. TLDR. Too long, didn't read. Yes. Too long, didn't read. Which is counterintuitive to writing out an entire essay on a game. <laughs> let's let's just let's just call a spade a spade, right? Right. right. Like here's a TLDR. Oh, by the way, here's uh, 1,200 words. Yeah, and which, it's a good exercise. It helps us critique games, I would say, mm-hmm. and it's been interesting. But I don't have time for ten because I'm not getting paid for this, and is <laughs> and I like playing the games. And I like talking about the games. So we'll get you that the other way. But Shelby and I both kind of like, yeah, we need to pair back because we got some other irons in the fire in real life and for what we're doing with Underpowered Media. So, Are you announcing that you're pregnant right now? I uh, know. That's What so. Good Game. Shout out to What's Good Game, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, I mean. Both their hosts announced they're having babies next month, like in the next two months. So I was like, oh, that's great for them. I was so Whoa. excited. Yeah. They're like, yeah. we're going to be taking the month of June maybe off. And I was like, understandable. Like, they're going to both. I mean, that. technically, Underpowered is a COVID baby, right? Right. Yeah. It oh, is. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is our COVID baby. For sure. But we just know, like, we don't want to, we can see when the fire is getting too hot and we want to kind of keep talking about games. We've had a lot of great guests on in the last month and a half, two months, or and we kind of want to go back to just focus on us playing games for a while. And I'll be the, the audience and say... We don't want you to get burnt out. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what makes you happy? Yeah. Thank you. So we will be doing one review a piece, and those are done. So <laughs> no, moving forward, you. next year I think we'd agree. Like any new title that we can get our hands on. Yeah. So so here's been my issue with the review is like playing a game, thinking about what I am going to write about this game. I, I feel like that is a little difficult to do at times. Um, I think it's much better to kind of just speak to it based on my skill set. And um, yeah, I, I enjoy that piece of it. And it doesn't feel stressful to kind of just wax about a game verbally. Right. Writing stuff up, it's in pay, it's in pen and it's on the internet forever. True. And that's yeah. why next year we'll probably end up doing like three each or two. It depends. But the TDLRs yeah. will keep coming. We really like doing those. Those yeah. are in. Sean helped a lot with the graphics. We're good there. Um, speaking of graphics too, if you join our Discord, I chatted to everybody. We are. I need to start making emotes for our Discord, and we got some really good ideas. And I just thought of one. Basically, needs to be an emote in our Discord for me. Just oh my basically, god! Basically, like the yes. word. Basically. basically, my favorite Your word of all time. A lot of people. You would actually. The more I notice now, I'm like, oh, this guy says it all the time. This guy says it all the time. Yeah, that's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, basically, it's like my favorite thing to say. It's because you're basic, dude. No, no, I'm far from basic. That's why I got to throw out that red herring right there in the beginning with the basic and wrap it around. You know what I mean? It's like when your friend goes, now I don't mean to offend you. Oh, I always, like in Ricky Bobby, like with all due respect. And then like you can say whatever you want. (laughs) Knights. Yes. I don't mean to offend you, but your mother's a whore. Like you can say like, (laughs) oh, someone posted something like that on Twitter to me the other day. It was like, there were people like, oh, Spool, you need to come back and do da 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 video or whatever. And someone replied to that person was like, no offense, but I would much rather not have Spool be da da And then I just replied in all caps, offense taken. Because <laughs> <laughs> people do that. They're like, no offense, but here's an offensive thing or whatever I want to yeah. say. We had somebody come into our studio the other day and they're like, no, don't take this the wrong way, but y'all look really tired. <laughs> it's like, what other way oh, do you thanks. think? Thank you. Right. Oh, I, I look horrible. That. Okay. No, one that I always get was like, uh, what was the one that people say? Where it's like, 
my mom used to say it a bunch. I'll, I don't remember. It's not Lost important because it. I kind of called her out on it. I was like, uh, just saying, right. just saying, like, you're just saying, just saying because you said something nasty. <laughs> and like, you're like, it's, you, you don't use that as a crutch. Or like JK or like Just Kidding or stuff like that. Yeah, I'm like, just saying. Speaking uh, of breaking news. <laughs> yes. The big three news. To our big three news, Bioshock's hiring writers for an open world setting. What? Yeah, so basically Bioware is higher. I was just trying to make a basically joke there. It didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let it die. Yeah. Uh, developer cloud chamber is hiring a new job description for a senior writer the writing aspect looks for their key writing in there uh you can find this article on ign that it is hinting at open world type game they want immersive storytelling um i'm not surprised that they're trying to do an open world right it could be now the question is are we talking immersive sim are we talking assassin creed or are we talking the fabled breath of the wild open world I'm just excited that Bioshock is finally doing something. I feel like it's been a long time since they have said anything about their next title. So having a hint to what could actually become of the Bioshock series is exciting for me. Do you actually like the Bioshock games? I do, yeah. They were good. I mean, they were of their time, for sure. I thought they weren't going to make any more, because is it Ken Levine? I think he's the creator of them. He Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be involved anymore, right? Like, three, even. Right, I believe you're So, whatever this is, I don't think he's involved, so who knows? Like, obviously, it's a good IP. Like, I liked three, and I liked one. I didn't really play much of two, um, but I liked them, and it was, you know, it's a unique kind of ip with that steampunky kind of like historical stuff so but an open world one would be interesting because you could have that if if it's would be me i want the water one i want the sky one i want the land one i want the third dimension they haven't done land yet oh there you go so that's open world they're finally on land hire me they haven't gone to space yet Maybe they've been space the whole time. That said, the end of three was really cool. And like, spoiler for anyone who hasn't played Bioshock Shock three, even though it's been what like ten years. Um, you remember the end had like all those different yeah. lighthouse, like basically like alternate dimensions and like portals to things. So like, it could be even that kind of thing where it's like a hub system and you go into like, you know, one that takes you to Mars or like one that's underwater cool. or. Yeah, yeah, so. I'd be game for that. I mean, the, the first and the third one in the series are definitely the best. I I played through two, but that first game is, was amazing. I haven't played it for years, but the yeah. turn about three two thirds of the way through that game was mind blowing at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, it was fun and yeah. like just how it was kind of like steampunk combined with kind of magic. With is it not Adam? Adam was the stuff you absorbed. I don't remember what the powers were called, but. Um, and then, you know, the little sisters and like all just the whole thing, the whole setting. And yeah. stuff was really yeah, cool. I'm excited to hear about what they would do with an open world franchise. Um, it's obviously a huge departure from the Bioshock games previously. I mean, those are very single player experiences, follow the path, maybe some side content off the beaten path, but not a ton based on what I remember. It was they were both pretty lit or all three of them were pretty linear. I think going back to like the story of like, the writing will definitely be either it will either make or break it because mm-hmm. you know they don't if ken levine isn't involved he was like the brain it was his brainchild and everything else like they're gonna have to have good right otherwise you end up with something like anthem or whatever where it's like uh, uh okay like the system's cool but like the game and the story is kind of like met or it's know. gonna be really hard to outshine those previous bioshock games right yeah very difficult. I do not envy this position. I think the question they're asking themselves is, how do we get loot boxes in the game? <laughs> and speaking of loot boxes, uh, study your show, it's gambling. Oh, shocking. Did you just set up your own Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, it worked, right? I thought that was solid. I feel I like you just spiked you it over the net and celebrated after hitting it twice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, link between loot boxes and gambling verified it in new research. So a new report from researchers at the University of Plymouth and Wolverhampton, which Ooh. is a cool name for a university. Sounds legit. I've discovered the loot boxes are structurally and psychologically akin to gambling. Duh. Of the 93% of children who play video games, up to 40% open loot boxes. About 5% of gamers generate half the entire revenue from boxes. 
12 out of 13 studies on the topic have established uh, unambiguous connections to problem gambling behaviors. Mm. It's not a problem. I can stop whenever I want, guys. <laughs> Young but I don't want to stop. I don't want to. Young men are the most likely to use loot boxes uh, with young age and lower education correlating with increase. Yeah, duh. You give a young kid money, they're going to spend it on the <laughs> shiny thing that gives them a dopamine hit. Like, dirt. Yeah. I had a student who told me when he got in trouble, he didn't get any Christmas gifts one year because when he was eight, he bought $1,000 worth of stuff in Clash of Clans and his parents were yeah. just living. Oh, those, some of those mobile companies, you know, design, like, I think now best practices have kind of changed a little bit to where it's like harder for kids to spend their parents' money. But if you leave like your iPad or your phone or whatever, like pretty open where like you can just like buy, 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 like a kid's going to, any kid that gets a hold of that is going to know how to buy stuff real quick. So when my daughter was younger, her fingerprint started working on my wife's phone for some reason and it (laughs) scared the living out of me. So I went in and like had to wipe her settings and the whole deal. It was like, no thanks. This can't end well. <laughs> what was it? Whoa. Was it set to maybe, you know, I have it set to my phone if my wife needs it on my phone, she can use her thumb, but she can't. Maybe can't your stuff. daughter is a clone of your wife and she has the same thumb thumbprint. <laughs> also, that is the sign of a strong marriage. My wife knows my unlock po- uh, code to my phone. Very well this done. This story just feels like a duh kind of thing for anyone that's anyone that's used loot boxes and stuff, but it's nice. It's the same thing with like you know, video game. It's that same kind of argument of like video games cause violence. Like now, you have numbers that show one way or another. Like scientifically, loot boxes are like gambling. Uh, violence doesn't, or game but gaming doesn't like cause violence. And you have like the more violence, numbers right. and like actual science you have behind it. I mean, that's why the UK and the Europe and stuff like that, like they were threatening i think some of them might have still banned loot boxes like as a whole because they you know last year or whatever because they were like this is gambling like i know it's all digital and stuff but it's gambling. it should be 18 well they do it with toys now there's those like lol dolls where you just it, it's oh, like what sure. random toy are you gonna get buy more because you don't know yeah. what you're gonna get so yep. lego kind of does it with their minifigures you buy they, they do a series of minifigures and you don't know which one you're gonna get in the bag right there's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm 15 that come out in the series and you get like they did the whole disney line and my son was really i I don't know where that originates from that original idea but like if you think back to like playing cards like baseball packs card packs and stuff like that it kind of like almost goes back to that because you'd buy a pack of cards open it oh i got you know i got like mickey mantle or whatever in there you'd be rich I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like you go back, it goes back to like trading cards. I got a first edition Charizard. Like you'd be, you'd be set. Hey, my sister pulled a Charizard on a booster oh, pack one day and yeah, it was it's epic. The it's the best feeling. As a person that still plays Marvel Strike Force every day, this is definitely gambling. Like I open these orbs. I know they will give me no joy at this point, but I still open them anyway because there's always a chance. So not, not shocking, shocking here. What is shocking is that a rare copy of NES Super Mario Bros. sold for $660,000. It was one six away from being the Mark of the Beast. That's a lot of coins. That's a lot of money. Why was it so special? It was unopened. And that's it? It was an unopened copy of Super Mario Bros. that was bought in 1986 and then forgotten about in a desk drawer and sold at an auction. That's for six hundred sixty thousand. So it was, yeah. and I don't think it was first edition. I think oh, it was really? like second or third edition, right? But it was like one of the early runs it's, that was a very limited run. Well, a lot of the early runs were Mario Bros. and Duck Hunt, if you recall, on the Rachel and Nintendo when you got it. Mm-hmm. The grade on this, you get like the number grade, right? You know, right, like, like how mint it is. Basically, it, it got like a nine point six, which is. Out of ten, out of ten, that's really good for Seven, its condition. Enough for six hundred sixty thousand dollars, apparently. Well, I, I'm curious as we we did a story in July, so in the summer when we had Matt Leone on from Polygon, uh, there was a copy of Mario Brothers three that went for one hundred and fifty six thousand. So this is just a couple months later. I think before the end of the year, you're going to see some type of video game property or paraphernalia maybe go for over a million. I think we're at that time. If NFTs are going for money, which is just a digital drawing or digital whatever a physical good are going to be starting to go even higher so i'm, I'm curious what do you think would go for a million dollars uh copy of et for atari yeah that's what i was actually <laughs> gonna say that's what i was thinking 
We just gotta go um, to the landfill, guys. I, well, obviously, anything that's kind of like a prototype or like a beta kind of thing of any of those classic games, yeah, whether true. it's like Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario Brothers or something like that. Because yeah. what was there? There was like a console, like a prototype console that was sold a year, a, a couple years ago. That was like. That was the Nintendo disc drive, right? So the one the Nintendo sixty four disc drive, yeah. yeah. And it was something that was never released to the public, like something right. like that. Obviously, if it's found in like a warehouse or whatever, that I could see being weight like a million plus. I want to know how much a Rob cost. A Rob, you remember Rob on the NES? Like a, an original yeah. Rob robot, yeah, in box, in plastic. Oh, like they're like three hundred bucks. Hmm. Oh, the one no in box, unopened. It's about on eBay right now oh, wow. for one thousand three hundred. I thought it'd be higher for unopened. I feel like this is the one though, like Mario Bros. Inbox, very early run. Like this would be the game that would be the high heights, right? I can't think of anything else. Maybe like Pong or like one of like the actual like first video games, yeah. you know, just for something like that. Donkey Kong. But I don't even know. But then that's like an arcade. Yeah, that's true. But I don't even know yeah. if they had like the cartridges for those. Like were they just like in the box or in the machine like the console back then but yeah and also like we're all speaking as Funk americans Funk. like there yeah. could be something True. in japan that would be a standout oda type moment to, to get the original bucks. tetris yeah. in yeah. long lost russia oh yeah there's the a russia. there's that netflix documentary series about video games that i've kind of been poking at recently it's pretty good it's called high score high score yeah yeah that's great I yeah. Watched and they that. talked about the breakout of uh, space invaders Mm-hmm. over in japan and i thought that was pretty interesting i don't know what that would fetch in terms of pricing but that could be something that, that's a great series yeah that could that's, be the... and the thing with any mm-hmm. of these kind of collectibles it's like it's up to the buyer like something can be in theory worth over a million dollars but is anyone actually willing to pay that much for it and that's the thing with like auctions and stuff especially or they can go the other way around we're like Maybe this NES Super Mario Brothers was actually like valued at like 160,000, but for whatever reason, you know, this guy got in a bidding war with someone else, and then you get this crazy, like, oh, now it's worth this much. Stuff. I mean, at this point, you're buying art, right? You're not buying this yeah. game to take it home and open it. You're, you are buying this to put it in a museum or lease it to a museum or have the asset and say, hey, this is actually worth 1.3 five years from now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will only grow. I, I wonder how much insurance costs for, like, if you want to insure something like that. Where would you even put something like that in your house? Like, I don't even. <laughs> you would not. You wouldn't put it in your house. You'd put it at some type of vault. I would think for real. Like, if like Fort Knox. I mean, cars are a little different. When people get really expensive cars, they usually have a like high protected garage, right? Shelby, you would know better than I would on that front. When people buy those million dollar cars or cars that are i don't know i just park i just park my car <laughs> in the street i just don't even i know you do but you've sold you've sold some pretty expensive cars at your office i have sold some pretty expensive cars i mean yeah but those normally sit in shops or collectors yeah. museums and stuff of that nature there's a museum right, right which is usually got a pretty good security system and constantly watched right so... i would hope so like if you're protecting the goods protect the goods though yeah we need to call up jay leno and ask him yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, totally. That's what I Oh, man. You got here on such short notice. Speaking <laughs> of voices, so we're going to move to our final segment. We're revisiting the dungeon. We're going dungeon diving. We're going dungeon diving. We're diving deep. Oh, uh, we're diving so deep into the dungeon. Week, it's okay. Hey, I man, didn't bring a swimsuit. We can skin you. I ain't scared. <laughs> we played Dungeon Dragons this last Friday. It was my first time as Dungeon Master. And Sean has always has been my dungeon master in my first experience. So it's kind of interesting. It's like watching like your student uh-huh. go on. And then that was Shelby's first experience. Um, so how did you guys think it went? <laughs> this is just Casey wanting feedback. No, I thought I thought you did really, really well. I know you were nervous beforehand. And I know on. you were worried about that you were going to like miss something or forget something and, and whatnot. But I thought you did really good. And like I told you beforehand, I told you after you're you've always been really good at telling stories. So like even if you're not the best with maybe the technical side of it, you don't know every rule, which no DM knows every rule. Um, right. Like, uh, yeah, as long as you can tell a good story and your group has fun, which I felt like we had fun, that's all that really yeah. matters as a DM. Like even if you mess up some of the rules or stuff and and whatnot, like none of that matters. And I thought you did a really good job setting up like a good setting and, you know, we all had fun. 
Thanks, Dad. <laughs> now, I really do appreciate And the other thing that I think is interesting, so I'm going to give some like noob tips. If you're trying to DM or you want to DM, I'm going to give some noob tips. But Shelby, what was your experience? I know you felt a little over-encumbered maybe a little bit or uh definitely overwhelmed oh, wow. the depths of the D hole i had no idea how far it went and i should have known like i should have known going in yes how, how deep this went i was not um anticipating the depths of which everything clicked together like knowing the spells to the point where people knew what dice to roll and all that stuff all right. like just blew me away it's like okay i'm gonna use this spell you have to roll this dice this dice this dice I'm like, why? How do they know that? That's crazy. But your your D and D Beyond helps with that a lot too. And like a lot of times, as the DM, when I was making you guys do the rolling of averages, I just chose a D10. It's like, ah, oh, we'll choose mm-hmm. a ten sided die. Like that's a personal choice. Um, my big tip for any new DM, and some people talk about it, we have we have Rev and Sean who are pretty experienced, and Doug who played with me, and Doug was a nice addition because he's just goofy. Right, and he, <laughs> he played good. Comp- he was a southern pirate, <laughs> southern pirate, well, dragonborn it, pirate. It always works because he has a six intellect, which is just he probably has object permeance, you know, where it's like it doesn't exist until <laughs> he sees it. Um, yeah, his his intellect store score is six or whatever, which is ten is average, so yeah. not good. There's a lot of good stuff, and I'm excited for the project we're doing with that. But Rep talked about beforehand doing a, a session zero. And what would have been interesting about session zero is I would have learned from Playstyle. So like from the first encounter, I learned that Shelby likes to use a diplomatic approach or wants to try to talk out the issue, right? So when you learn Mm -hmm. that about your players, my tip is knowing how your players play after your first session is really good because you can develop, like I'm already thinking about the next session and I want to get more things in Shelby's play style involved, right? Some people just want to kill stuff. Like Rev's super technical. He knows the moves. He's really creative. He's got all experience. But Shelby wants to like kind of work around the system. Be like, let me talk. Let me see if I can get this guy to escape. Right? Why like, do we got to fight? Why do we got to fight, bro? Can no, you you're absolutely right. That's yeah. good. So what I got to start writing in for me as DM is like, okay, what's a scenario? How can they get out of this scenario too? I need. I want to start thinking of that yeah. where I would allow, like, not just not just combat, combat. which is. Which is cool because usually in the like most people when it's their first time or two of playing D D, especially if they've played video games, is they want to like resolve everything right. with combat. Or they think that's how you're supposed to do it. And like for instance, in Casey and my other group, the IDM, like the it's mostly combat driven. Like I think it's kind of changing from that now, but usually like the people are impatient and they're like the fist, the fastest way to resolve this is just to like murder everything. No, that's not my style though either. Like no. it's the other two I play with. They just kind of want to keep moving. Which in reality, combat is the slowest part of DM. right. Like it, it can be the fun. It can be like the most fun and like you know like like jaw clenching part. But like it's the slowest part, especially the more people you have. It can take forever to do like rounds of combat. My favorite is when you guys shook down the frat boy wizard. Like I thought that was great. <laughs> I tried to like steal something oh, from him, and he caught yeah, me right the away. horrible rolls, and you kept couldn't get keep couldn't get the. And then you guys rolls. distracted him, and then I stole yeah. it. Anyway. Oh, he got intimidated. Yeah, the, but yeah, but, so like, right, and then I stole the jewels, right? Yeah, I have the jewels. There's yes. like, what does that come back? Like, do I eventually look in that? You have to do something. You never did anything with it, so you still have it. I still have yeah. it. Okay. And we, I have I have something written up for. I it, mean, so I haven't that, even looked so you, in the bag yet. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. There's all these depths to the storytelling that we have to think about, and the thing is, you still remember that, which is important as the player. Yeah. So, like, what's a what's a piece of advice you would give a new player, Shelby? I think that I, I spent the first third or half like being very intimidated because of all the inner working pieces that I wasn't comfortable with. I would say just go and enjoy it. And hopefully you're in a group that's going to allow you to like bump it, bump into con- not conflict, but shortcomings or things that you don't fully understand. And you get some sort of explanation out of that. Um, I think right. that is a good way to approach something like this. Um, what I realized about myself and kind of thinking, you know, following the the D&D session we had is that I've never been big on character creation. And I think that D&D at, his core, at its core is character creation, is like For living sure. a role-playing character. Mm-hmm. So that's something yes. that, you know, I've never gravitated towards, but you could tell out of the gate 
that each one of the players had taken a lot of time to build out their character, their story, their move sets. All of those things were very well crafted and, and put together in a nice bundle. Whereas I'm like, oh, no, I'm here. Let's just kill some stuff. No, you're being yeah. hard on yourself. You you made a reference to a place in your character's backstory and why he's kind of a charlatan. I don't want to give too much away from when people listen to podcasts. That's really smart. So you just got to keep right. playing up with that. And, and when Devin taught us about giving us those prompts mm-hmm. as extra exercises we're going to start every session with that and it's going to make people build more of their backstory more of their backstory i think that's on the dm for the story for sure and a lot of times to like go off of that is you like i don't really know what my character is going to do until a situation arises and then i try and flip into that okay like i didn't know how i don't want to spoil it because i want people to listen but with that final encounter when you rolled and then it it made you not fight at all (laughs) yeah and then I was like, okay, well, what would that do? What would this 17-year-old turtle boy do? Hey, well, we kind of played up on like being a teenager, too, on that one, too. It was great. It turned out great, right? And it made it, like, I'm like, what would I, do I want to punish him? No. I'm going to let him do things. And, yeah, it was it was a fun time. It was good. Um, I think another thing is, like I said, knowing your players. Um, also, don't, you got to be kind of stingy as a DM. And you got to stick to your rules. And you don't I, I told too much on the final fight because I was so excited, <laughs> and I should have shut up. You told us the like, right, we, like how to beat the boss, basically. <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah. And next one, oh, <laughs> next time I'm not going to be nice. Next time I'm going to not say anything. Good. But I remember my other favorite part was when someone asked me a question about, oh, what's this item? And I had the full description, and they were very shocked that it was ready. Like, yeah, I, I'm enjoying that creative writing aspect. Um, Shelby, you also, without spoiling, you got the true D and D experience at the end of getting screwed over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so <laughs> apparently, if you're offered a gamble chocolate in D and D, just take the gamble chocolate. You know what I mean? Could be filled with toothpaste. Could be filled with caramel. Right. You know that old Jim Gaffigan bit. Um, I didn't take the gamble chocolate because why? I mean. I, I don't know how much to actually go into it, it but Lee, it was like, you can have this or you can have this gold, this. And you're like, why, why would I take that? And all the D and D players are like that. And I'm like, no, this. And it didn't work. Right. Which by the way, like I, I took the gold. I don't even know what I do with the gold so in this we, thing. Like, do I just hold it by, by precious? Like, what do I do with it? No, you can buy you can There's... buy new weapons, you can buy new gear, you can buy potions, you can buy things with so, it. So, like in Sean's D D campaign, because I'm a ranger, which a lot of people hate on Rangers, apparently in the boo, uh, boo. Yeah. You, I didn't know you were in that camp. <laughs> no. I asked Sean, like, can I get can I get like trick arrows? Can I get fire arrows? Can I get arrows that have different uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Arrowheads, right? Mm-hmm. Different different types of... And he's like, yeah, let's find some homebrew so stuff. So we came up with a system for it, yeah. Yeah, like, okay, I can only use this. I don't get any magic-infused ones but, yet. But, but so for, like, gold and stuff, you can depend on... Again, everything depends on how the DM's world kind of is, but generally you can, like, be like, is there a general merchant or whatever in this town? I want to go buy, like, some whatever tools or, like, a torch, torches, or, like, you know, or, like... With fifty gold, you can get like a, a healing potion if you if the merchant would have one, or you could be like, "Is there a blacksmith in this town? Can I like get my ar- my like armor or weapon like sharpened or upgrade?" Like the thing with D with D and D and something I think for new players to special note is if there's something you can think of that you want to do, ask ask the DM. I want to do this, and they'll either tell you no, you can't do it, or they'll work with you to be like, "Okay, this is what you can do." And and they might not have a system for it and they'll have to come up with it or think about it there in like the moment. But like, you know, if there's something you want to do and you're like, I don't know if I, if this is an actual move or something I can do. Like, I think at one point in one of our combats, you like wanted to acrobatically like flip over a character. And then Casey had you roll like an acrobatics check. And I think you succeed. You failed. failed. You, yeah, you fa- I, I think you had to fail. It was very <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, your your merman slipped in the water, yes. and so then that happened. But you know, you didn't have to do it. You could have been like, "I just want to attack him." But adding that acrobatic flair and stuff like just adds more fun. And like right. your character, even though stuff went wrong, like it still worked out in the end. And yeah, it's some of those are the best things where you do that out of out of kind of like out of the box thinking. So one question I have, and and it's kind of a unique situation because we're trying to record this and we were streaming it as well that night. And we had two different programs we were running for the D and D campaign yeah. specifically. 
But my question is, is am I in charge of moving my own character around the map? Yeah. Or does yes. the D&D do, or does the DM do that? I can. You can ask me to. But if you want to move it, you can. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like in actual, like people have right. miniatures, right? Like Sean was showing you with this 3D printer. You can grab and move that. But yeah, you can move your guy uh, completely. That's why it, it, something I have to do at the beginning is copy everybody's character yeah. and put them in. Yeah, because we, we had an instance in one of the earlier battle experiences in the in the campaign or the chapter of the campaign where I was like trying to drag a guy out. And then, like, we, <laughs> right. we got into combat, and my guy was on the wrong side of the bar. I'm like, oh, it should be next to the guy that's being dragged out. So I was just like, if yes. I can move it, cool. And then it was like, poof, oh, now he's over there. Yeah, but, it got, like, I don't know. you and Rev, I think their characters got swapped or something like that at some point. And I you think couldn't... so, yeah. It was later. Yeah, um, it was my fault. But yes, yeah, so usually you should be able to move your character as long as you're not in combat. Like you can usually freely move around, and then when you're in combat, right. only like on your turn. Because obviously, if you're moving when it's not your turn, it's like it's not your turn, and you can't move. Well, and, that, and that's kind of what I felt like I did. But I was like, but at the same time, I was trying to sneak this guy out. I can't use my mind bullets to make yeah. this happen. Right, and that's why I made you have like, okay, now you have to roll strength when you pull him. To see if you're still stealthy with it it was a it was a good exercise for me too so now this next one i'm i've already got the where it's happening and now i need to build the map and i'm writing out the battles and the story beats I'll, for what I have, you guys are trying to do i have a question for you casey so yeah this was my first time playing i've i've been a dm for like almost two years and stuff now you've never played a game of dnd i've never actually i've played what? a little bit like i played when, when i was at funhouse we oh. played like one and a half sessions and stuff but usually most of my experience has been all um, as a DM. And so I know as a DM, typically what happens like while you are playing, like the characters or the players have a lot of influence on like where the story is kind of going to go or things that are going to happen with that. Did you find like, obviously you don't have to give any spoilers or or, like anything with our story, but did you find that that was kind of the case where, we did things that kind of surprised you, and so you ha- you're probably going to change a little bit of the story down the road no, or something? No, that first encounter, if I didn't have the certain plot device built in for the encounter to occur the way I wanted it to, I would have been up a creek. Like I was like, oh no, oh no. Because if you had, had really hot rolls, you would have walked out of there. I think I would have just been like, okay, you're going to jump to this scene and we're shorten the session, mm-hmm. which would have been fine. But uh, I sometimes when I want certain things to happen, I, I know I'm going to have to make a device for it to occur. A railroad. And we have a device in our storytelling because it's called play actual, right? Or actual play is what's called. We're trying to turn this into like a podcast type play thing. And we've got a cool twist on it and a cool mechanic, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based on one of my top 10 movies of all time. So uh, I, I'm excited for that. But yeah, so now that I know your play style, like I know Shelby wants to talk more and get like to diffuse situations. I would love to make more diplomatic approaches. I think it's going to have to be a fine balance. I also mm-hmm. think putting like little mini games from time to time would be kind of fun. Like, okay, so uh, I, well, I don't want to spoil too much too, but I, <laughs> it's depend, like the ADHD in me is going so firing on all <laughs> cylinders with it, but it's, they're all focused on this one thing right now yeah. in the back it's like okay i could do this 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 and this and then this 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 and this and this like oh, it's i it's a i i'm obsessed do you have like your main kind of overall story arc figured out or is it more like that's yeah and that's really 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 I'm common like, most dms don't have an overall even though three episodes and i have one thing that's going to happen yeah. i have like i have this happens and this and like i have a couple beats but we're going to do six episodes because, like, I promised Shelby I didn't want to inundate all his free time or once a month of <laughs> D&D if you didn't like it. And he might end up liking it, and then it might be his character comes back and forth from missions. Like, we we have the opportunity there. True. So we just have five more missions to get Shelby really into it. Is my, my <laughs> well, goal. And even debriefing but, it, I'm higher yeah. on it than I was. Um, it, it, the session that we had was oh. after a very long week of work. A lot of change True. on my immediate team at work, and um, yeah, it was it was a good relief that night. But I was also a little tired, so I think the next time around, I'll be better prepared. I'll know what to expect a little bit more, which will make it for a better experience overall. And you're learning more about your class, and you got to level up, and so you get to like go edit that in your class. There's a lot of fun things that happen in that session. So I'm glad that's the other thing. I want everyone to have fun, and I want people that listen to it to laugh and have fun because we we giggled a lot. Like there was some really funny stuff. <laughs> so I want to keep that up. We, I think we're gonna put the, this will be on Underpowered Media. It will be rated mature. 
just because of the nature of violence, I think it has to be kind of put in explicit. Yeah, we didn't say anything inappropriate, I'm sure, but... Well, when we start talking about dragon <laughs> people, there did. was a little bit where I was like, yes, it is important because of their <laughs> magic. I was like, we're... Oh, right. Anyway, I forgot. That's that. that. So that is it. Thank you for the session of Dungeon Diving. And thank you guys for being good sports and putting up with my DMing. And I had a great time. And I had a great time this evening talking video games with you. Nice. So now you have to roll to end this podcast. Oh. Okay. Um... Wait, I have dice. I have dice. Eleven. Is that enough, DM? Is that enough to end it? <laughs> sure. And that ends our episode for tonight. If you want more of us, follow us on our social channels there in the attached description. Our website is underpoweredmedia.com. You can check us out on Twitch. We're Underpowered TV. We have a Discord going. We chatting. Check us out. And feel free to leave us a review five stars if you'd be so kind. That is a wrap for this week. We are out. Player games.